everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 65, Developing Talent, recorded September 19th, 2011. Uh, this week is sort of a, a, a drop back 10 yards and punt uh, episode. Our uh, a guest who was going to be with us uh, called in sick. He's got the flu. So we're going to give him a, another week or so to recover, and hopefully he'll be with us next week. That's uh, Mr. Steve Hargadon. If you travel at all in EdTech circles, you will know that name. So you'll need to be sure to uh, um, tune in next week and uh, listen to our interview with him. But this one is a show that we've sort of had in the backs of our heads for a while, but never actually put any notes down. And that is the uh, idea of, of developing talent, growing your own tax from within your student body. Uh, or uh, um, maybe just taking somebody off the streets if you're that desperate. So we're just going to – this is something I've done many times over the last uh, 15 years or so. And uh, so we just thought we'd talk a little bit about that. So uh, with me, as always, is Mr. Sean Keibel. Say hello, Sean. Hello, everybody. And uh, Sean um, is uh, here to uh, make a, a declaration of of love um, <laughs> for uh, uh, Steve Jobs and, and the Apple Corporation. Is is that about right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'll find some way to uh, turn that around, you know, and do a 180 there. But uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting. Uh, something that happened to me just actually last night. And I had a friend uh, that I was talking with on the phone, and uh, she she asked me about uh, kind of out of the blue, but she asked me what I uh, she listens to our shows and uh, knew that I had a, a Android phone here or just got an Android phone recently, and she asked me the question pretty much point blank, just uh, did I think that she should get an Android, and uh, I had no idea what phone she had now, but. Uh, uh, you know, told her, yeah, I mean, they're great phones. And uh, she had her eye on a couple of different ones. And then she tells me that, well, she has an iPhone and <laughs> she's coming up on the end of her contract and uh, was, was thinking, you know, she's been hearing all this stuff about Androids and she'd seen a couple of them that uh, she thought were uh, really nice, whatever. And uh, so she asks me, you know, uh, why she should change from an iPhone to an Android, and it kind of caught me off guard. And, yeah, that's uh, sort of hitting you where you live, right there. It's one thing right. to, to bash Apple; it's another to to, to come up with a, a reason uh, to go with Android. Right. Yeah, and it, it really did catch me off guard because, as much as I've thought, you know, back and forth about the, all the various OSs and uh, their uh, you know pluses and minuses of of each one and all that, uh, when it came to uh, the phones in particular. Uh, first, I started off by telling her, you know, I was struck by, and I, I she didn't hear that part of the show where I had I had spoken about watching my daughter move between those devices, between my mom's iPhone, and literally within minutes, you know, exchanging those phones and getting on my Android, and watching a four-year-old seamlessly go back and forth between those devices, uh, which was uh, very interesting because it really told me, uh, you know where there's a, a, very much a parody there uh, to the basic user. And, uh, you know, to my daughter, she doesn't have any clue that there uh, really any difference there. So I told her that, but the more I started talking about that, the more I got to thinking, there's really not much of a compelling reason if you have an iPhone to switch to an Android. Um, I don't think, you know, there's not a whole lot that you – are going to gain or lose there. Uh, again, we're talking about the, the average user. 
And uh, so it kind of – that definitely it got me off balance and I, it was kind of an epiphany. And I thought, wow, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, but then, uh, she did it. Finally, she gave me my in, right? My in <laughs> to, to bash Apple. And, uh, because I'm asking her questions, well, how do you use the phone? What do you do on the phone? And, you know, I'm trying to give her an honest response. And, uh, she finally said, well, you know, I've got a lot of music in iTunes. Am I going to be able to get that over? And uh, I didn't know the specific answer to that question as far as how she might accomplish that. I know I've seen in forums and various uh, things out there on the on the net where people are accomplishing that, but it's it's quite a task to to make that happen, and uh, and so that's where I got my in, and I said, now that gets right at the reason why I don't like the Apple products because uh, they do everything they can to keep you from moving in that direction. Right. Uh, they they want to have that lock in, and uh, you know from a business perspective, it's genius. But uh, if you're the end user, uh, you know, you kind of find yourself in that situation where now you've uh, you've you've, I guess, taken a bite of the uh, what would that be? The. The red pill versus the blue pill. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> find out how deep the rabbit hole goes. Right. Uh, but it, it really did. So that that, you know, I, I guess clarified things for me a little bit. And I've said it before, you know, I don't. I think the devices themselves, they're, they're masterfully engineered and, uh, you know, the user experience is top notch and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, what always bothers me, it gets back to just that type of thing is, um, you know, being locked into those devices, not having the, the same freedom that you might have. Um, that's, that's why we love Android devices and, and Linux and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, you know, uh, thanks for putting it in there that I'm an iPhone lover. I'm yeah, glad our iPhone lover. Don't get to see our show notes. No, I, I'll make sure I put that in the uh, description of the uh, the show when it when it goes out. Uh, that will guarantee <laughs> many listeners of this. They're going to want to hear that one. Uh, uh, sure. what, one thing that I I thought when you were telling me that story is, uh, um, there's more to it than just no compelling reason to upgrade. It goes beyond that. There's um, a liability, uh, not upgrade, but to switch. There's a liability to switching because if you're in the Apple ecosystem, if you've had that phone for any time at all, you probably have apps on it. And while those same apps or equivalents of it are probably available on Android, you're going to have to pay for them again. Um, so you, it costs you to move from one to the other. And there's, you know, there's a good chance that some of her music uh, is going to be uh, uh, DRM'd depending on how long she's been in the Apple universe. And so right. she may have to jump through hoops to break that DRM or to buy more stuff. So it, uh, I think you gave her sound advice. If you're happy where you are, uh, the the smoothest thing is to not do it. Now, the, the issue is the phones, right? HTC and Samsung and, and Motorola, they're cranking out phones every, you know, 10 weeks or two weeks in, in some cases, uh, whereas Apple takes them a couple of years to make a new phone. So uh, the iPhone 5 is coming out. It will probably be better than every phone on the market for a month, <laughs> and then something will come out better than the iPhone. So, but, you know, if you're not going to hardware hop, and most of us can't afford to do that because these things are still expensive, uh, I think you gave her sound advice. Stay where you are. And if you're an Android user, um, if that was your starter phone, and you've got that uh, iPhone 5 lust, just wait you know, a couple of months, there will be a better one out there. And again, you're, you can stick in the ecosystem that you're in. 
Yeah, and you know, it makes me think also. Uh, you know, a lot of the problems that Windows have has, and uh, that uh, that people will be quick to point out, uh, it kind of gets at the same thing. Uh, you know, Android is inevitably going to have the same types of problems, and it's because it's this OS that uh, is being utilized on a lot of varying hardware. And um, I think that we're going to see that uh, play out more and more. And as uh, phone security becomes more and more important, as hackers focus more on uh, hacking phones and things of that nature, that you're going to see those same types of differences uh, start to emerge. And you're going to have the iPhones uh, uh, that are going to really mirror uh, the, the Mac and everything as, as far as uh uh, the functionalities and differences and the Android devices are going to be very much like windows are going to have those types of problems because it's an OS that's trying to, uh, that's being applied to so many different hardware sets by vendors. So, um, you know, I guess we'll just carry that argument from the desktop and right. uh, into the mobile space. Yeah, it really, uh, the, the Android, uh, phone is the new PC. Uh, right. with all the, the power and, uh, perplexity that goes with it. How do you like that? Yeah, and everybody's going to be quick, you know, when the more and more that that occurs, people will be quick to to bash Android when it's really not, you know, Android's not the problem. It's the fact that uh, it, it's the uh, the innumerable uh, numbers of hardware sets that it's it's being applied to. So I think we already see that in the uh, tabloid market as well, uh, <laughs> or the tabloid. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good little Freudian uh, slip, slip the there. Huh? Yeah, uh, the the tablet market uh, where they're putting out some really shoddy tablets and throwing Android on them, and they're selling them for super cheap, but they're really horrible devices. Uh, yeah, I'm so, interested to see what uh, Amazon's going to do with their. Uh, new tablet. I'm sure you've read about that. Uh, it's right. going to be an Android tablet. It's not quite a Kindle, but not quite an iPad. Um, and it's going to be fully branded. It's going to have the, the Android kernel, but none of the Google stuff on it. Um, I think that'll be a weird sort of thing. But if, if Amazon has shown us anything is they know how to do things right. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they, uh, with the exception of maybe the Kindle DX that nobody really cared much about. Um, when they've produced a device, it's been a hit. So I'm interested to see what happens when that comes out, and uh, uh, we'll certainly try to cover it here. Um, which brings us to the in the news section. Speaking of coverage, um, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice segue there. Thank you. Wasn't that good? Yeah. That was good. Uh, so what I've tried, called this one is uh, Netflix tries to paint the turd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're a Netflix subscriber, you probably got an email uh, in the last couple of days, or, or certainly, uh, certainly you can go to the Netflix blog and see it there, where the uh, CEO uh, and founder of Netflix tries to explain uh, why they raise their prices 60% um, and how it's actually a good thing. And Netflix is now going to be strictly online stuff, and the new they're going to spin off a new company for DVDs called Quickster. Uh, apparently, because you get your stuff quickly, um, right. and so your your credit card now will be billed twice: once from Netflix for seven ninety nine, and once from Quickster for nine ninety nine, or whatever you had there. Um, and you'll it, it I thought it was great that uh he tried to reassure us by letting us know that uh the uh discs will still arrive in a pretty red envelope because the, clearly that's important to me if they had come in a yellow envelope I probably would have canceled my subscription immediately <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah, but we surely would have heard. I mean, there would have been uh, blogs and forums just blowing up you know, the first time they got a yellow or green envelope. Uh, you know, that's that's nothing more than painting a turd, and it's a bad paint job at that. It needs a second yeah. coat. He didn't do a very good job of explaining. Basically, the way he said it is, uh, uh, we heard your complaints. Um, it's not going to matter. Uh, we're going to change up the way we do things. Uh, still going to charge you more, and nothing's ever going to change that. And if you don't like it, uh, well, uh, look and see that Amazon's not that much better. Um, and, <laughs> and that's just kind of the way it is. Uh, you get what you get. Um, you know, the uh, Miguel in the chat room points out that Netflix needs to support streaming on Linux. And no, Miguel, I refuse to say GNU Linux. There's more Linux in it than there is GNU. Uh, but um, <laughs> there, the idea is that... Uh, it's on Android. It's not on the new Chrome OSs, which runs a Linux kernel, uh, but it's not supported on Linux. That's a big deal. But my complaint about Netflix streaming is um, the selection. I mean, if you want to watch a 1980s sitcom, you're in good shape. Um, but if you want to watch uh, a, a current release Thor, uh, if you want to see you know, a, a currently released DVD... That's not an option. You got to wait until it is a year or so old uh, before you get there, and and they're they're charging us more for that substandard service. Now, pointing out that you can still get the DVDs. Well, now that you can't get the DVDs from Netflix, now you got to go to Quickster. So it's all this whole other company. And now, when you go to the Netflix website, you're not managing your DVD queue anymore. You're only managing your live queue. So you got to go to the Quickster website. So they've made things more difficult to provide substandard service. But, you know, I'm still a fan of Netflix because it's the best thing out there. As much as I don't like it, uh, there's nothing better. Well, and uh, I'll, I'll say right now, mark my words, right? This is this is what uh, a free market's all about, right? <laughs> uh What's going to happen? I mean, somebody's going to come in and, and take advantage of that. There's going to be a company that's going to come in and uh, and begin to compete with that. All they've done is uh, open the door for something like that to happen. Uh, you're right. I love Netflix. I pretty much exclusively watch the streaming. I'm I'm happy with what's on there. Uh, I'm not one of those people that is just you know has to see the the latest movies and things like that. They have so much content on there that it pretty much keeps me happy. But uh, I'm I'm not very picky either, uh, Mark. You know that about me. I mean, uh, when it comes to food or anything else, uh, I'm not real picky. So uh, as long as I can kind of browse through there and find something that uh, you know matches my mood, then I'm happy. But well, see, uh, my point about that whole thing is when it was a dollar ninety nine add on, uh, watching Hot Tub Time Machine was fine. But now that they've made it an eight dollar service, that's not good enough. Well, I'm going to go the other route. I'm actually going to drop the discs. So I'm not going to get the DVDs in the mail and I'll drop that. And so Netflix is losing money from me. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see how that plays out over the long run. If, uh, if the masses do that as well, or, you know, kind of pick one service over the other where they were paying for both before. Um, yeah, well, I think I, it's going to bite them. We talked about this in a, in a previous episode when it first happened. Uh, uh, Netflix has said as much as they calculated that would happen, and their 60% increase was designed to help offset the loss in customers. So, right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, a rare moment of uh, intellectual honesty from a company. 
that uh, maybe maybe we'd prefer that they not be so honest. Right. Um, another uh, in the news item uh, that if you're a podcast listener probably uh, is uh, in your uh, sphere of interest. Uh, Leo Laporte, the grand master of of what we do here, uh, podcasting out of your home, got his brand new site hacked. Um, and I'm, I don't know the details of it, but basically somebody managed to do, a, a, I'm guessing, a SQL injection from the way it was described on his new Drupal, uh, which made me then go immediately today and upgrade our Drupal because we, we've been behind using a, uh, a, a, an older version, uh, for a while now. We, it's the current version is 7.8 and we were at 7.2. And every time I log into the system to, to add some content, it would say, hey, there's a security update. And I didn't really um, want to do it because it's a hassle. Uh, but uh, when when I saw that Leo got hacked, I thought, you know, he's got professional admins doing nothing else. And I do this every once in a while when I remember. Maybe I should go update that. So I did that, and that put me in plug-in hell. <laughs> that's uh, one oh. of the, one of the great things about Drupal is its extensibility. It's uh, as I mentioned before, it's it, it's not um, a house. It's a workbench with a hammer and nails, and you're you can build whatever you want out of it. You know, WordPress is sort of this thing that you move into and hang your own curtains. Drupal is is a lumberyard, uh, so it's very powerful. You can do all sorts of things with it, but. Uh, it relies heavily on plugins, so the the so basic good. core Drupal doesn't give you much. Everything else is provided by plugins. But once I uh, made that update, suddenly there were dozens of plugins that needed to be update updated, and some of the data wasn't compatible, and I had to to do all sorts of garbage to get everything working. And and uh, uh, you know, honestly, I think I would rather have been hacked. Let's just uh, uh, let's just <laughs> be honest. Uh, really, what what's a hacker gonna do? Uh, that uh, worst case scenario, they bother somebody else, but not me. This was bothering me. Oh, okay. Uh, but anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. I did find a neat site, and um, maybe I'll make that a tech tip of the week sometime. Uh, where there's this fellow out there. Uh, the typical. I, I I think I mentioned this uh, on a, on one of the shows that we do. The typical method for upgrading a Drupal. The instructions are copy everything out of your directory install the new one, then copy all your files back. Okay, we have gigs of media files, not to mention uh, uh, core templates that I've hacked to, to design the site like we want and, and plugins that didn't quite work, and I hacked the code there. So I've got to move all of those out and one by one put all those back. Um, that was just that was a reason I wasn't going to uh, do it. It was, it was a hassle. But I found a website today of a guy apparently uh, who's in my same boat, doesn't like to do that, and he's created um, a, a set of difference files where you can simply run a patch against your current one with your new one, and it only copies the differences there. Now, it's you know it's, oh. a, it's an exercise in faith. There's this dude I never met before, some stranger on the Internet, put a file out there, and I said, okay, and put it on my web server and ran it. But uh, luckily, he turned out to be a pretty honest guy. And that made the whole process take uh, a minute instead of hours. So nice. uh, that's a pretty esoteric thing. I don't think there uh, a lot of our audiences will be interested in it, but maybe I'll put that in the show notes for those who might be. So if you have a Drupal and you want to update it, that's an easy way to do it. All right. Very nice. Anything else before we uh, move into the uh, topic at hand? Uh, no, I just thought, uh, you know, you were talking about uh, upgrading, right? Upgrading your Drupal 
yep. how yep. easy that is. So uh, we're going to try to talk about how you might uh, upgrade uh, people, right? Uh, that was a nice attempt at a, <laughs> uh, at, a, at a segue, but I'm not sure it worked. Yeah, I was really reaching, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, uh, the, the, the idea here is um, there are kids in your schools, and we've talked about this uh, before, when, when you have that hacker kid, that kid who's always getting in trouble, our philosophy has always been to try to make them our ally instead of our enemy. Um, and sometimes we succeed and sometimes we don't, but, uh, uh, I thought we would talk a little bit about that, how, uh, I've been able to do this. And some of my former students from years back are now technology professionals and, and I'm not going to say I did that, but I did start them on that path when they were in high school. And, uh, that's kind of a, I mean, we are in education, right? Our job is to change the future. And so, uh, the fact that you happen to be a tech rather than a teacher doesn't change your, your role in that. Right. Um, if you just want to make money, uh, you're in the wrong business working for a school. Uh, the idea is you, 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 you want to affect the future. So one of the things we do is identify kids with an interest. And often you can find the kids with an interest because they're the ones getting in the most trouble. And they're, they're probably not the best kids. And they may not be the kids who are the A students or the, uh, the class president. Uh, the odds are they're going to be the little mousy kid who sits in the back and, and uh, gets beat up a lot. Um, keep an eye out for those guys. And then look to see if they have any actual aptitude. <laughs> We've had a few run through our class. Uh, uh, just last year, uh, we had one who had interest but no aptitude. Wouldn't would you agree with that, Sean? Yeah, definitely. And uh, usually they, uh, they're kind of a minion, I, I like to call them, because they're operating at the... Uh, uh, behest of somebody, uh, somebody else. Yeah. Um, uh, this, so we, we've certainly seen those. Yeah. And they come through and, and they, they've seen a few too many sci-fi movies and they think they want to be hackers. And then they find out it's really just a whole lot of reformatting hard drives and checking, uh, antivirus signatures and, and decide that's not s- such a fun thing. But, uh, one of the, one of the things that, that I like to, to do is set them up for success, give them things that are easy to accomplish, but uh, may not necessarily be simple. So there's a difference between simple and easy. Like uh, put a, a computer in front of a kid and say, replace the hard drive. That's one of my favorite things to do. Replace the hard drive or replace the CD-ROM. And, um, and what I like to do is not tell them how and just you know see how far they get. And that's a generally pretty easy task with most computers today. You pop the case open open, and you disconnect a few cables, and, and generally it works out pretty well. Uh, every now and then they do some damage that I have to repair. But uh, uh, just some of those little things there, little tasks that can give them, you know, they're only going to be with you 45, 50, maybe 90 minutes. Uh, so you can't give them much, but uh, give them something to do that will give them a sense of encouragement uh, and a sense of accomplishment um, but that is sort of low profile. Sean, can you think of any other examples of that off the top of your head? Um, yeah, hardware usually seems to be the best place to start because, uh, it's one of, it's a huge success for them. You know, anytime somebody who's really not that knowledgeable with the hardware and even kids who, uh, like to call themselves hackers and can get in and maybe they've learned a trick or two from the internet, uh, don't have any clue about the hardware. And when you first open up a computer in front of them and they look at it, it's just like anybody else. It, it seems overwhelming. And there's all these different, you know, there's the motherboard and all these fans and everything else and wires going everywhere. And 
uh, once you can point out to them just really how simple that system is and they can start swapping hard drives and, and you know, it doesn't take very long. I mean, I, I have uh, seventh graders this year in my class and I had them swapping hard drives and, and getting in there with the hardware and they absolutely loved it. And I think that that's a very good point. Uh, the reason that they did love it is it's a huge success for them. Uh, they get to take this thing that is mystifying and they know that nobody else really knows about. And uh, in very short order, uh, they know what they're doing. So uh, I absolutely agree with you. It's a, it's a huge success that you can give them uh, right off the bat. And one of the things that I've always tried to do is uh, give them context. Um, and and I, yeah, I can also say this with you. I, I have done a lot of training of you. You came to me a few years ago with not much technical experience. Right. Um, and and that's that's an approach I've always had is not just talk about here replace that hard drive. Give them context. Give them a, a quick history lesson on hard drives and explain to them the difference between SATA and IDE and and why one is better than the other and why you don't see much IDE anymore. Um, and you know why we don't have jumpers for master and slave drives anymore. And and that's the learning part. And the more they can understand the system the more effective they'll be at internalizing the concepts that, that make it work. Um, then again, maybe I'm just a, a blowhard who remembers the good old days. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about that? Chat room, any comments on that, uh, um, that sort of thing? Uh, it just seems to me that, uh, again, it, the, the role here is you're a teacher, and, and I tend to be of the belief that every person who works for a school is a teacher. The the cafeteria lady who slops the macaroni on the plate is a teacher, and the janitor who cleans the toilets is a teacher, and the techs are teachers. That's not our job day to day. That's not what we do all day long, but we have the responsibility to be in that role. So if a, a kid comes to you and that's that office aid period there, don't just put him running errands. Um, have him uh, do things um, constructive and teach them along the way. And, and again, you know, if they're not interested, they're not interested. We had a couple of guys last year that we just had them run around sticking inventory labels on things because it was clear after the first week or so they were not interested and they were just there to fill an hour in their day. Um, and in that case, you do them a disservice by trying to force stuff on them. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny because, uh, we, we did kind of get handed off those, uh, those students that, uh, really were not going to have any interest in it. Uh, so I, I think that was a situation where they were just trying to find a place to, you know, stick a few students for, for a period of day. Right. Another great uh, thing you can give them to do is teach them how to make, uh, network cables. Any, any monkey with, you know, non-opposable thumbs can be taught to make a network cable. Um, it's not hard, but it's cool. And, and you know, it's it's a, it's something that not everybody knows how to do. And so this uh, 14-year-old can have a skill that that most 40-year-olds don't have, and that can be cool, and it can be useful for, for you. If you've got a teacher who decided they want to move their, their computer from the east wall where the computer drops are to the west wall where there aren't any, you can send the kid over there and say, make a 50-foot cable and, and make that happen. And you get uh, some of the menial tasks taken care of, and they get the sense of accomplishment of, look at me, I'm building the Internet, which to them is, is what they're doing. Well, and I want to I jump in there and say, too, that uh, you know, we have a lot of listeners that aren't in education. 
but you know they're they're either out there they have a computer repair business or uh, or, or they work uh, with computers maybe out in the corporate world or whatever but they're uh, uh, not in the uh, in education but I'd like to at least throw that out there is uh, you know you have still have those opportunities presented to you you do come in contact with people who uh, you might have an opportunity to light a fire with uh, and uh, you know it's it's pretty you can see it pretty quickly when you're dealing with somebody and maybe you start talking about these things and uh, they'll either be disinterested like most people because to them uh, computers like a toaster um, but there's those ones that it's not you know and maybe they've just never had the opportunity for somebody to explain these things and you're giving great examples of some very simple things that you can do right up front to uh, kind of ignite a fire in somebody and uh, you know maybe get them going in that direction. So uh, certainly children and, and teens and things like that, that's the prime time when you can really pick up on that and, and hit that. I was thinking in terms of, of education and, and school districts, but uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, if you work in an office building and you've got that one uh, maintenance man who likes to lean over your shoulder and, and watch you work, you know, take an interest, take an opportunity, take five minutes. And, and you, you like you said, you might set them out on an entirely different career path. Um, you might not, but, uh, you know, what's the harm in trying? Well, and Mark, I mean, you, you pointed that out exactly. I mean, that's basically what you did with me. So, uh, there I was, you know, in my thirties and I I had a a, a wonderful career going in finance and, uh, thought that's what I was going to do with my life. And then that industry collapsed. And, uh, so there I am thinking, you know, what am I going to do? And, uh, uh, so you just knew me at from church, you know, but you knew you knew enough about me that you knew that I had this interest and that I was doing some things on my own and uh, and then, you know, extended a hand. And, and you know, you always say, you know, uh, help somebody up, you know, and uh, so that's what you did and uh, it ignited that fire in me. So I already had the beginnings of it, but I needed somebody to uh, to step into my life and say, hey, look, you know, this is not nearly as overwhelming as you might think it is. And, uh, you know, and then you're there uh, along the way, you know, able to answer questions and, and, uh, and, and let people or let myself, you know, make my failures and learn by doing so. So, um, you know, anybody out there that's in it, I guarantee there's somebody in your circle, you know, somebody that you run into daily that you could probably do that for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the next thing I wanted to say is uh, it's important also next to have proper expectations. Expect them to screw up. And, um, you know, uh, Miguel, he's already left the chat room, but he said that uh, some of the tech gods don't like kids messing up with the wires and they don't want it to clean up after them. Uh, you know, if you're going to be doing this sort of thing, you have to expect that there's going to be a mess to clean up. Uh, but that's, uh, as I like to say, failure is part of the process of success. You have to give uh, people the freedom to fail and, and, you know, and maybe don't give them anything to do that's all that important. You know, maybe the idea sure. isn't to make them useful to you, but, uh, you know, like a, an English teacher doesn't expect her students to be useful to her. They're not going to help her write her doctoral thesis. Um, she is there for them. And so that's your job, too. If they can help you out, that's the bonus. But that shouldn't be the expectation the way I see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it reminds me of a student, you know, we had another student last year uh, that, you know, th- 
the kid, he's, he's already got a career path in mind and he's going to go to college and be a dentist or orthodontist. I think it was something like that. Uh, and, and that was fine, but he was, uh, he was very intelligent and, uh, but not exactly, uh, well, he didn't know which end of the screwdriver to hold. Let's just say that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he wasn't going to be doing any oil changes for you anytime soon. Uh, but, uh, still, so what do we do? We grab like the two oldest laptops that we have in the entire district that we're not going to be able to use for anything. We say, this one's got a bad hard drive. Take the hard drive out of this one, put it in here. And, uh, if you break it, we're okay with that. Right. And it's more like when you break it, we know it's going to happen. Right. Uh, sure. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing that it's almost contrary to that is treat them like part of the team set high standards so accept the fact that they're going to screw up but don't make that um acceptable uh, so i'm talking in circles there there's there's a certain reality that you have to accept but that doesn't mean that you have to to make it acceptable you you treat them like they're um you know one of your your people and you expect them to behave accordingly and to uh to get things done accordingly and that that teaches them not just the technical skills but what is going to be expected of them you know later in life when they actually get into the quote unquote real world people are going to uh uh treat uh them uh, as expecting to them to be productive members of the team and so you should do the same don't ignorance is okay but ignorance that refuses to be corrected becomes stupidity so allow ignorance, but ref- but reject stupidity. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and I, I'd like to actually take this because uh, we have been talking uh, primarily about students, but um, you know, a lot of these uh, I guess principles I already really exercised in the corporate world, and it was had nothing to do with IT. And this is when you know again in finance. But uh, these same types of basic things you want to do for people that work for you. Uh, so, uh, you know, depending, uh, you know, some if you work in a large school district or a company, whatever, you, you might have a lot of people working for you. Or uh, like our district, you might, you know, just have one or two people working for you. But uh, you still want to look for all of these opportunities to develop those people. Um and there's a, a lot of different reasons. Obviously, it's great to do that for another human being, just, you know, to be a good person and, and develop somebody and, uh, you know, help them to discover their own talents and things like that. Uh, but it also it does have a benefit to you and your organization as well. When you show an interest in the people that work for you and a genuine interest in developing their talents and, you know, when you do so. You know, I think some people are actually a little nervous of doing that. Like they don't want to develop somebody so much that they become so good because what are they going to do? They are inevitably going to leave. Right. And so I see a lot of managers that they don't really put a whole lot of effort in that because they're really not interested in that. They're interested in that person the way they are right now and and having them stick around as long as they can. But uh, what ends up happening is you don't really get the quality of work out of those people that you really uh, could have. Uh, received. So, uh, you know, develop those people. And uh, what you're going to find is they're going to work harder for you and uh, they're going to appreciate their job even more. And uh, it's going to be less, uh, less of a hassle for you. Right. And then the, the sort of natural extension of that is allow them to share in your successes, even if you did most of the work. So, you know, in the case of the kid 
maybe you did three hours worth of work and he turned the last screw treat it like he did that let him share in that and, and, and like you're talking about the uh the person under you that you're trying to train up uh give them credit for the work that they did and, and maybe even uh work that they didn't necessarily do uh because it's part of the learning process you know it's uh um you know when when my four-year-old cleans her room she doesn't do much of the cleaning mom and daddy do most of the cleaning but we still throw a big party and go yay we got it done and that's an extreme example of it but that's uh uh that's the same sort of thing that you do that you 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 keep your expectations appropriately but then reward them and and make them feel like i said like they're part of the team um you have expectations for them but also they get to say they did that uh a few years ago we built a um um a fine arts complex and I did that entirely. The wiring and everything was student labor. I had about 10 kids. Uh, and, and for the rest of their life, well, as long as that building is there, they'll get to look back and say, I did that. I helped build that building. And mostly all they did was cut and run cables, and I did all the terminating and, and all the hard work. But still, the, they were 15, 16 years old. They got to say they were part of building something. And that's a big deal. And maybe you don't get to uh, build buildings every day, but there, the at the end of the the year or the end of the, the time that you have with these kids, um, it's a great gift to them if you can give them a sense of satisfaction and, and a sense of ownership. Yeah, absolutely. And and that doesn't just apply to kids. I mean, if you've got somebody working for you, if you've got a, a you know a young tech or something that's working for you, you know. That just that really builds a foundation for them to build a career on uh, when they can have those early successes. They know what that feels like and they're going to strive for that in the future. So, you know, if you're any type of a manager, I don't care if you manage one person or you manage 100 people, uh, you should really constantly strive to do that. And uh, I always like to think that when you're when you're serving in a management capacity, you are serving. And uh, you should be looking for opportunities to serve those that work for you. And uh, developing their talents uh, is one of the best ways you can do that. Yeah. And so that's I think we're going to wind up wind up there. I don't I don't mean to get too preachy. Uh, Again, this was sort of a, a thrown together show, but it's an idea that that we've you know, and we said a year and a half ago when we started this, this show is going to be the conversations we have with each other just broadcasted for the world to hear. And that's the kind of conversation that we often have is, is uh, these management style things and, and these leadership things. And, and uh, I think too often that people think because they're technical, they are exempt from that side of things. And, and I, I think that, that we would all be better at what we did if we recognize that the tech, technology team is a part of the whole whether it be the business or the school or whatever uh, off, so often there's an us versus them mentality and so these are some ideas of how you can help get over that and help bring people along and mentor people um, instead of being anti-social social and locked in the uh, um, the server room all day Amen. Was that too preachy? Yeah, you gave me an amen. It must have been. <laughs> Again, I don't. I don't mean to be uh, all high moral like that, but uh, sometimes I get on a roll. Uh, so, any other thoughts there, Sean? Before we move on to the tips of the week? No, I think we hit it good. Uh, you know, that's a topic that you can go on and on about, and there's you know thousands of books and tape series and uh, did I say tape? 
you did say tape. <laughs> That's the that, stuff you used to, to hold boxes together. That shows how old I am. When I started together, studying right? management, it was a tape series. Yeah. <laughs> so. That was the podcast of their day, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. We, you know, it's funny because we used to have a corporate library and uh, it was a management library where you would go and, uh, you know, check things out and, uh, you know, study leadership. And uh, so they had plenty of print books and then uh, a lot of audio series and they were all uh, all on uh, cassette tapes. Uh, so at least back in my day, they were. Now I'm sure they're. You sure, they weren't uh, eight tracks. <laughs> I would say that's back in your day, but we're the same age, so I can't really poke fun at you that way. <laughs> so uh, moving on to the tips of the week, uh, thanks to a uh, uh, RSS. Uh, uh, Google reader of several thousand blogs that I go through on a, on a, a weekly basis. I now have new tips. I said I was completely out uh, a, a while well, last week, and uh, now I have a couple of more, and hopefully I'll find a couple of more and be able to stay at least one ahead. Uh, but this one is called Free Studio, um, and it's a, a suite of um, conversion tools for converting media. And we've talked about a couple of these uh, sort of things before super and uh, uh, format factory and handbrake. Uh, this one, I, I don't have any experience with it, so don't consider this an endorsement. In fact, the website looks a little spammy to me. Um, so, you know, uh, just take that as it is. I haven't tried it, but there, it, there are, rev- there, I got this from a trusted uh, blog that did review it and did try it. So I'm going to call it enough of a, a trusted site. And, you know, it has 195,000 Facebook likes, so that has to mean something, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, I guess that all depends on who's liking it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, it's called Free Studio, and it's just a, um, it's a novel approach to um, uh, the all-in-one suite. It's uh, a whole bunch of modules, and, like, as you tell it, okay, I need to convert... Um, an AAC file to an MP3, it sort of internally says, oh, I don't have the plugin that does that. Let me go download it for you. So you don't have to download the whole big thing like you do with like Format Factory. You download a fairly small thing, and as you use it, it adds to itself. Now, if you download the whole thing, it's 72 megs. Oh, wow. But you don't have to. You can download pieces of it. And they have, uh, uh, you just sort of tell it what kind of device. Like, I want this movie on a phone. And it figures out what the best way to do that is. Or uh, I want this movie to be uploaded to YouTube or to Facebook. And it figures out how to do that. Or I want to take something from YouTube and make it, put it on a DVD. And it figures out how to do that for you. So it's got all these uh, um, conversion algorithms built in. And uh, I think it could be pretty cool. Um, and, you know, there you go. It's called uh, uh, DV, uh, Free Studio from the company uh, DVDvideosoft.com, uh, DVDvideosoft.com. But anyway, the better place to find that is elementop.com, where it'll be in the show notes. Yeah, go there first. Yes. Rack us up a few hits. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and jump in here with my teacher tip. And uh, it's funny, uh, you know, you, you were talking about how you were out there trolling around for uh, new tech tips, and I did a little bit of that this last week. And I came across uh, it, it, just one after another, it's kind of funny, uh, websites that were really kind of repositories for information for teachers. Um, so there's several of them. I'll try to break them up so I'm not doing the same thing every week. 
but uh, I'll put my uh, my favorite one at the top and get that one uh, out on this show. And it is teachnology.com, and it's teach and then a hyphen and knowledge. Okay, if that makes any sense at all. Um, hopefully it doesn't. So you'll have to go to our website and get the link. <laughs> But uh, it's basically just like I said, it's a teacher resource website. Uh, Teachnology, uh, I'm surprised I haven't seen this one before just because, uh, one, it looks fairly well built. Um, you know, some of these uh, some of these websites are great because they have a lot of information, but it's basically a teacher that uh, put together a website that, you know, looks like it's 10 years old. And it probably is 10 years old. They've probably been building on it for 10 years, but it hasn't changed. So it, it's, it has a very old look to it. Uh, this uh, is very well built, looks very nice, and they have uh, just tons and tons of information. Uh, 46,000 plus lesson plans. Uh, and I know teachers love sites where they can go and find good lesson plans. And I haven't seen a site yet that, that boasts that many. Um, 9,600 free printable worksheets, rubrics, teaching tips, uh, worksheet makers. I mean, you name it. If you're looking for it, they're probably going to have something that's going to scratch your itch. So, uh, I won't go into any more detail than that other than, uh, if you're a teacher out there, go check it out. It looks like a great website, uh, teach hyphenology.com. And then lastly, before we say goodbye uh, for the night, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, elementop.com and the goings on there. Uh, we have we mention every show that we have other shows out there, uh, but uh, I thought we'd go ahead and, and actually talk about what some of those are, because uh, maybe uh, you haven't been there and haven't checked it out. So uh, Sean does uh, another show called The Tightwad Teacher. Uh, with uh, a former uh, guest who was on the episode called The Tightwad Teacher, uh, and they later they created their thing. And, Sean, tell us a little bit about that show as opposed to your role here on The Tightwad Tech. Well, I'm, uh, yeah, it's definitely a show I'm excited about. I'm the lead host on that show and uh, uh, got it rolling with a teacher from New York, uh, uh, John Mikulski. Uh, great, passionate teacher, uh, entertaining. Uh, we definitely have fun on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, we just talk about uh, mostly using technology in the classroom. And uh, we have a lot of guests on the show that are, are also teachers out there doing unique things in the classroom. We talk about what they're doing and, uh, you know, how those things are being received in their district and, uh, you know, special considerations they have to have. You know, if we're talking about maybe something social networking or, or just introducing a new technology into the classroom, we're bringing teachers on who are actually doing these things and uh, so we can talk about them and uh, just, you know, give the teacher out there a little bit more information on how they might do those same things. Uh, we also have uh, we've had some really great guests and uh, I'd love to take credit for it. But John does all the show prep for that show and he's been bringing on great guests. So he's been uh, he, he actually was able to get a representative of Google on our show, uh, which we haven't been able to do for the Taiwan Tech. So. Uh, Google's uh, uh, notoriously difficult to get a hold of in that capacity, and uh, he had an in, uh, kind of a friend of a friend uh, type situation, but uh, we've had that. We've had CEOs of some of the companies out there, CEO of Storybird, and uh, so some of these tools that we're actually talking about in our episodes, we're getting 
uh, you know, the people who are actually doing these things that, you know, the inventors, the, the, the people who have, uh, come up with the idea and made the website or made that uh, web 2.0 tool. Uh, so great show. Uh, if you are a teacher and you're looking to, uh, work some more technology into your classroom. And then another, I do two other shows. Uh, one of them is called everyday Linux and it's a, a collection of four, uh, people uh two of us uh, we're all it professionals uh chris neves who's been on again on this show before uh is our uh, resident linux expert he's uh, actually a fedora ambassador for the fedora project and he uh, headlines that show and each week we talk about uh just sort of the 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 good things and the bad things and and we just try to have a, a an honest look about what it's like to live with the linux operating system on a day-to-day basis on the desktop and on the server room and uh with that are uh, a couple of other uh IT professionals so uh, we're, we're it's uh it's aimed at primarily the IT professional who is linux curious you know who's uh who've, who's heard about it and maybe experimented with it and wants to to delve in a little more we do talk about things for the home user and in fact one of the other hosts uh, Seth Anderson we we call him our uh, uh resident uh end user representative uh and he he looks at things from the desktop perspective um and and he he tries to use uh, Linux on a daily basis uh, in that capacity. And then the third one, uh, the fourth one, his name is Aaron Butler, and he's an IT professional in the uh, uh, health field. And he we call him our noob in residence. He has has not used Linux much at all. Uh, in fact, had never used it before we started the show. And so he has the um, the job of asking the questions that we have forgotten were questions. You know, I've been using Linux for ten years, and Chris almost fifteen now. And so we we forget what it was like to be a noob. And so uh, Aaron is there and represents those interests. So if you're a total Linux newbie, uh, Aaron is there as your ambassador, and, and he's going to ask the questions that you would ask. And uh, and so I think it's an informative show, and we certainly enjoy it. Uh, and, and at this point, it's the second highest rated show on the network behind uh, the Taiwan Tech. And then another show I do is actually Aaron's show, the, the uh, fellow I mentioned who's the noob. Um, he... Uh, a year and a half ago, decided to make some changes in his life and has lost uh, about 140 pounds in that amount of time. And he uh, has developed a philosophy that he calls one meal, one workout. And so we we do a podcast every week about that. And uh, to steal from him, uh, and I think it's true of all the shows on our network, uh, he, he talks about the three E's. Our job, our goal is to entertain, to educate, and to encourage in that order. Our first job on all of these shows on the network is to entertain you. The secondly is to educate you, and then thirdly is to encourage you. Uh, and so he does that every week, and uh, we have uh, different listeners in the uh, uh, different guests, rather, from the uh, health care field. We uh, talked uh, uh, with a sleep specialist just re- recently about sleep apnea as the uh, uh, the number one um, uh, sleep disorder that something like 70% of all Americans have, whether they know it or not. Uh, and we've talked about different diet techniques and, and those sort of things. And the idea is that there's not one way to do it. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do it, and we're going to cover all of them. And, and it's not uh, you don't have to be a fatty to listen to the show like I am. Uh, you could just be anybody who's interested in being healthier. And then the last and most recent. Wait, 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 hold on. I want to just jump in there real quick because okay. I've got to give that show some uh, some props. Uh, because uh, I, I started listening to that show when we first, uh, uh, you know, from the first episode and uh, there was something early on that uh, 
that Aaron had said about don't drink your calories, I think was his, right. was the quote. And, uh, so I've been listening to the show. I love the show. Uh, but I'll say it is pretty much directly responsible for m- me losing 20 pounds. Um, and I'm not a, a huge guy by any means. I'm probably the average for my age. I'm 39 and uh, had a few extra pounds on me, but uh, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, I wasn't a fat guy by any means, but I certainly had 20 pounds to lose. And, uh, just that, you know, that one tip alone, I was drinking a lot of soda and, uh, it, it's funny how sometimes people just put something a certain way and it sticks with you. And that one really stuck with me is, uh, you know, don't drink your calories and, that was one of the biggest things that was hurting me. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't eating too much. I was drinking too much. And, uh, so once I cut the sodas out of my diet, uh, it pretty much the, the weight just started uh, coming off. And, uh, then, uh, then there was uh, kind of a plateau, right. In uh, in one of his shows, he talks about the, the plateau myth. And, uh, so there's a lot of great information there. And of course it makes sense. I mean, a guy who's, who's made that much of a change in his life, um, you know, he's going to know what he's talking about. So uh, I've really enjoyed that one. All right. And Sean, I'll let you talk about the last show in the network because that, that literally hits close to home for you. <laughs> yes. Well, that, uh, uh yeah, the, the hot route and, uh, it's certainly a departure from where a lot of our shows were, uh, uh, where we had a lot of it, uh, it topics and, uh, certainly a lot of our, uh, co-hosts were IT people. Uh, this is a, a, I'll say a sports show, but it's really, I mean, it's focused in on the NFL. It's a, a football show. And uh, so if you're out there and you enjoy the NFL and maybe you partake in some fantasy football or maybe you just like, uh, you know, watching the games on Sunday, uh, this is a show for you. Uh, one of the uh, one of the hosts of the show uh, is my brother. Uh, and then he's got a couple of his friends, uh, one who is a professional uh, stand-up comic and another one who is uh, he's an IT professional. We just can't get away from <laughs> IT professionals. Right. You know, but it's one of those uh, one of those things. I guess there's so many uh, different uh, careers out there that involve IT that you can't throw a rock without hitting somebody. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what I really love about that show is they have a really interesting dynamic because uh, Eric, who's the comedian, and he, he brings a lot to the table as far as entertainment just because he's a funny guy to listen to, uh, is pretty much clueless when it comes to football, <laughs> you know? Uh, so uh, he, he represents that, that end of the spectrum. And then my brother's kind of somewhere in the middle, and he's just goofy and funny to listen to. And uh, I get a kick out of him all the time anyway. And then uh, uh, Nate, who is really the the show's authority, and uh, Nate is an extremely intelligent guy. He's a, a software programming engineer, and uh, he uses that that intellect uh, in the uh, realm of uh, following football as well. And so you can listen to the guy talk about the NFL and all the players and everything, and uh, it, that becomes very quickly evident uh, that uh, that he's the resident expert. So. Uh, it, that show has something to offer for anybody who enjoys the NFL and just uh, likes football. Uh, you know, you're going to fall somewhere in there. You're probably going to identify with one of those hosts. And uh, in the end, uh, like you said, Mark, uh, first and foremost, you're going to be entertained. And then we're not quite ready to talk about it yet, but we have a sixth show 
in the lineup uh, that will probably be rolling out in the next, uh, certainly before the end of the year in, uh, you know, Q3 uh, 2011, we'll, we'll be doing that. Uh, and we hope to continue to grow these shows and not just, and they're not always going to be us behind the mic. They're going to, we're, we're going to look for other talent and look for entertaining uh, people who uh, we enjoy listening to and give them a voice to be heard. So we're not going to do this often, uh, but I just thought it would be uh, something to do to take a few minutes and tell you what we're up to. You know, we, we both have our day jobs, but this has become a second job for each of us, and we put a lot of hours each week into it. And uh, and if you're just listening to the Taiwan Tech, you're missing out on uh, other stuff that uh, that may be enjoyable to you. And uh, at this point, um, we don't have any ads or anything like that. It's just pure entertainment. Uh, and uh, and so I think it's maybe the purest uh, podcasting experience that uh, you're going to find. Uh, of course, we hope to sell out someday. I keep telling people that I am for sale. My morals can be bought. Uh, yeah, but, uh, sure. It just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> My price must be too high. Yeah, you know what? I'll just let's just build it up to like a hundred shows, and then have uh, ah, what Netflix? Netflix needs to get into podcasting. <laughs> yeah, they, they can just swoop in and you know drop ten million dollars in our lap. Just buy us. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. After I, I'm okay with that. After I just called their new plant a turd, I'm sure they'll they'll be really excited about <laughs> wanting to do that. So check us out, elementop.com. There's other ways to contact us there. There's forums. There's uh, the, the ever-present contact us button. Uh, we've talked about all that b- before in the past. I'm not going to go over it again. But uh, Element OP is uh, your place to be. And uh, so, Sean, anything else you got to say about tonight? Man, I just think, yeah, I think this was a great show. All right. <laughs> as long as we have the Sean seal of approval, I feel comfortable <laughs> about putting this one to bed. And so I will say that's for this week. This is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>